fear the talking queers. Now that we're all here, the party can begin. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. I'm Jake. And I'm Frankie. Ooh, and we are Fear the Talking Queers. Welcome to the show. What should we do today? Should we play a game? Fuck it. We're going to play a fucking game because that is where we have the most fun, I think. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I have a list of Would You Rather. Ooh, I love it. I love Would You Rather. We're so... It's just I know. so fun. I know. And I'll be using the list directly from our website at fearthetalkingqueers.com. Again, that's fearthetalkingqueers.com. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, real quick. Have you watched any of the new American Horror Story? Um, no. How many oh. episodes came out? <laughs> two. Like, oh. I think they released two episodes of it. It's super interesting, but there's a scene where Evan Peters and Francis, what's the name? Francis Conroy. They sing a duet and it's very mediocre. Like neither of them can like really sing, but I was like, this is like for sure, like going to be, be available on iTunes and I'll probably listen to it. What are they singing? <laughs> is it an original singing, song? I, they're singing Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. Islands in the Stream. That is what we are. Oh yes. Oh, why are they singing that? I don't know. They're like at this like bar and they're like singing it. Like, oh. it's, like a, it's like a piano lounge and they're singing. Okay. It wasn't like um freak show where it's just like all of a sudden they're like on well, stage. Well, kind of. Oh no. I mean, yes, it what? is like that. You're like, and Joey was, <laughs> Joey was sitting there. He's like, this is one thing I can't stand about Ryan Murphy shows is that there'll be a musical interlude, but they'll sing the entire song. From the you know, beginning like, to the end. And they're never <laughs> yes. singers. Yes. I mean, God, most of the people he puts in his show are hardly actors. Literally, usually, yeah, he puts the singers in the acting roles and the actors in the singer roles. The storyline of that so far has been uh, intriguing, interesting. There have been some, like, creepy moments. But then, of course, you know, it, it, it's already sort of spiraling off into Ryan Murphy land. Where oh, it's like, God. Oh, okay. e- by episode two? <laughs> I don't know if I'll but, be investing. <laughs> but I'm still intrigued. I'm still intrigued. It's just not what I thought it was going to be, but when is it ever when it comes to Ryan Murphy? (laughs) For me, the strongest parts of American Horror Story are their marketing, their their, not even logo, their marketing, their posters, um, their their openings of the show, and then the theme song. Other than that, like, I... Could care less, and that by theme yeah. song I mean the the like opening one where it's like, yeah. All right. Sorry if you have your volume really high this episode. I know, I know. That was full motherfucking bores. Um, okay, let's get into this game of Would You Rather. Okay, um, I'll start for you. So pick a number from 1 through 40. I pick 19, because I'm old for my age. I'm just born to be fed. <laughs> okay. How many times are we going to reuse that joke in this fucking I, I, I Honestly, I don't know. But it, 
It never gets old, though. <laughs> okay, number 19. Would you rather battle the faculty or get reprogrammed in disturbing behavior? Ooh, um, I would rather, I would probably rather be reprogrammed in uh, disturbing behavior because I think that I would be very scared of the faculty because they're aliens. They're like alien parasite people. Yeah, that's true. But I think I'd rather fight for my life that way than like... That question's strange because it's like, I would ra- would I rather fight both of them or would I rather be succumb to either of them? Oh, yes. Like, I would rather fight both of them, obviously, to live. But yeah. I mean... But uh, if like... I mean, if my choice is either die or live, I guess... I mean, I guess... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to still stick with disturbed behavior because... I don't know. At least they get better grades. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's a little malfunction every once in a while. Yeah. It, that's what's important. As long as I get into a good college, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> Pick a number one through... Uh, 100. 16. <laughs> what? <laughs> one through 16. All right. Um, uh, 11. Would you rather know when you die or how you die? <gasps> oh my god. I think I'd rather know when. That way I can like plan like a, mm-hmm. a really awesome life until then. But how? It's like, oh my god, it's all I'm going to think about. Like, yeah, no. It's, it's like every turn of the corner, I'm going to be like, oh my god, is this the moment where I no, I'm going to trip into the middle of the street and get run over. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, I feel like that would be a, more of a nuisance as opposed to knowing the date where you can be like, all right, yes. I, can pl- I can plan, I can live my life to the fullest, I can blow all my money, blow all the guys, and uh, do all the blow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, right. so one through 40. I pick number one. <laughs> okay. All right. Finger me with your hook, Candyman, or fist me with your glove, Freddy. Oh my god. I mean, I think it's obvious. I'm gonna get fisted. I'm just kidding. Oh my god. I knew it. I fucking knew it. <laughs> no, um, I'm gonna pick uh, Miss Candyman. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that hook. You know what? I feel like you're gonna get an infection either way. I just right, feel like exactly. Just to keep my pussy tight, I'm just gonna go with Candyman because <laughs> that no, yeah, that hook absolutely. isn't that wide. <laughs> I know it's just one hook too. Like I don't need five fucking <laughs> blades up in there. Like it's scratching your lungs and shit. Yeah, seriously, like scratching my tonsils. Like, no <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, I would rather do the Candyman thing, especially because he is going to sweep the box office this weekend. That's right. And that hook will be made out of pure platinum. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sterile. Anyway, okay, your turn. All right, pick again. One through 16. 16. Would you rather be wrapped up like a mummy for one hour or lie in a closed coffin for one hour? <gasps> Um, wrapped like a mummy. I ooh, oh my God. the thought of being in a coffin closed. I mean, for an hour. For an hour, I would even say like three seconds. That would just that is terrifying. Yeah. Like, do you get to like have your phone at least? 
I feel like if I'm wrapped up like a mummy, I can still move around, maybe cut holes where the eyes are. You know, my biggest problem though with it is, is that I probably couldn't scratch like my nose or something, and that would drive me nuts. <laughs> but what if you're like a mummy? What if you're in a closed coffin and you can't even lift your arms? What coffin is that tight? And also, there aren't they cushioned? <laughs> <laughs> Look. You want to be a vampire, so I'm not surprised that you're exactly. leaning more toward being in a coffin, just so you could see what it's like. Yeah, you're gonna suffocate in there. I would want to be. I want to like look like a or be wrapped like a mummy if it was like at like a spa day. You know how they get like wrapped up, in, yeah, like, full body wraps. Then they unravel it, and you're like 50 pounds lighter. Ah, oh. <laughs> sounds like a dream. Okay. I know. I I mummy. pick mummy. I pick mummy. Mummy for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so one through forty. I'm gonna pick um uh three. In Scream, would you rather bang Billy Loomis and die or bang Randy and live? Hello. Ew uh, gross. Definitely bang Billy and die. <laughs> I know, because not only will you have slept with the hottest guy at school, but you'll also be immortalized on film. Yeah, exactly. My train of thought. Okay, sure. so who would play you in Stab? Probably Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I, I think, right? okay, who would play me? Alana Glazer. Nic- Nicole. Oh, <laughs> I was saying Nicole Richie. <laughs> Alana Glazer would play me in Stab. Oh yeah, that's a good one. One more. All right, pick a number. <laughs> oh, pick a number. Okay. 13. Ooh, what an unlucky number. Would you rather die from a shark attack or die from a zombie attack? Shark. I mean, I'd rather be fish food than some other person than eating Than people me. food. Ugh. Then you're just becoming fertilizer for the ocean and maybe bringing the reefs back to life. Oh my god. Have you watched any of White Lotus? I watched the entire thing. Oh my god, that's that part that part where Jennifer Coolidge is talking about how she regretted taking her mom's ashes out into the water. She's like, and I just thought it just reminded me of feeding fishes. And I'm like, is this what I want? Is this what she would have wanted? To be fish food? <laughs> it was so funny to me. I was like dying laughing. Yeah. Just the whole situation. The scene was just written so brilliantly. Um, I kind of I haven't rewatched it, so I can't give specifics. The, but the writing mean, is amazing. It's so good. If you've not checked out White Lotus, it has nothing to do with horror. But I mean, if you have not checked out White Lotus on HBO Max, like go like watch it. It's so bizarre. It's like takes a second to kind of figure out like what the fuck even is this show? Like, is this a comedy? Is this a drama? Is it a both? Is it a, you know? It, but it's sort of just like this fascinating character study of all these obnoxious rich white people <laughs> yeah juxtaposed with like the work industry of hospitality yes yes hospitality and customer service like i don't know it's uh, brilliant oh and scream queen alexandra alexandra daddario's in it so oh yes 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 that's true that's a plus Call connie britton uh scream another queen. scream queen Hello. oh yeah sydney sweeney she was in um Noc- nocturne Oh, Nocturne. Nocturne. And um, also the other Steve actress. Steve Zahn. He's been in other things. He's been Steve's in on. horror things. Uh, uh, Joyride, right? Joyride. Joyride, yes. yes. With, with Paul Walker, R.I.P. And then the actress who plays um, Paula. Why is her name slipping me? 
Paula. She's the the young girl. Yes, she was in the Black Christmas remake. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's your horror connection, folks. If you were like, why are they talking about this? There it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, we recognize these actors from being killed in other movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of being killed... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy, cheap segue, sorry. But um, this week we are talking about The Crow, cult classic from the 90s with an, um, an insane... This movie, of course, you know, is, is really infamous for the accidental death of up-and-coming star Brandon Lee, who is the, the son of martial arts legend Bruce Lee. Yes. Oh, that this is a very tragic story. And hardly ever do you get these accidents that happen like this on I know. movie sets. I mean, beside aside from the crow, I think the Twilight Zone is like the only other thing I remember where it's like this tragedy that had happened on set. During the filming of this movie, um, the star unfortunately in a stunt was uh, killed. So um, we'll probably get into more detail about that as we go along. But um, let's get into this movie because it's it's a good one. So yes. this is The Crow. <laughs> the Crow, released in 1994, directed by Alex Proyas, written by David J. Show and John Shirley, based on the comic book series by James Ovar. Our film begins with a narration that states... People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes, something so bad happens that a terrible sadness is carried with it, and the soul can't rest. Then sometimes, just sometimes, the crow can bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. October 30th, Devil's Night in Detroit. Sergeant Albrecht, played by Ernie Hudson, is at the scene of a crime where Shelley Webster, played by Sophia Shyness, has been eaten. Oh, <laughs> bitch! What the oh my fuck? God, that part. <laughs> Sorry, no. This is actually way more serious. Shelley Webster has been beaten and raped, and her fiance, local musician and guitarist Eric Draven, played by Brandon Lee has been murdered, having been stabbed, shot, and thrown out of their apartment window to the streets below. The couple had been planning their wedding day for the next day, Halloween. As he prepares to leave for the hospital with Shelly, Albrecht meets a young girl with a skateboard named Sarah, played by Rochelle Davis, who says she is a friend of Eric and Shelly and that they took care of her. Albrecht tells her that Shelly probably won't survive. One year later, a crow flies over the dark and rainy landscape of Detroit and lands on the headstone of Eric Draven. It taps at the stone with its beak, awakening Eric from the grave. He climbs out of the ground, trembling and racked with convulsions. With some confusion, he stands and walks with the crow to his abandoned apartment, finding it in shambles. Memories of the night of his death come back to him as the gang responsible runs through the city, setting fire to it. The faces of the attackers stick in his mind and overcome with grief, he grabs the frame of a broken window, the glass cutting deep into his palms. To his astonishment, the blood from the wounds flows back into his skin and the wounds heal themselves. Bent on vengeance, he changes his clothes and paints his face white in parody of a porcelain harlequin mask he had given Shelley as a gift. He then draws black liner around his eyes and down his cheeks like tears and paints his lips black with Glasgow lines reaching out from the corners. 
Guided by the crow and sharing the crow's high perspective on the city, Eric sets out to avenge his and Shelley's murders. Ooh. Ooh. First thing we see as soon as, you know, the movie starts, it says Brandon Lee. And it's like, oh, that's mm. so sad. Like, like before even the name of the film, like it's like Brandon Lee. Like this is his film. You know, yeah. this is this is like the legacy that this man left. You know, he was just yes. starting in this business. Um, I was sort of, you know, I was doing my research and he had been in a few like sort of low budget kung fu films a couple of chinese films and this was supposed to be his big break and his big stardom vehicle uh and unfortunately that was never given the chance to come to be you know he unfortunately was taken away before his time um so it so it is really sweet that they like the first thing they acknowledge when the movie opens is his name because you know I don't know. I thought that was very sweet. Yeah, it's important because, yeah, like you said, this is his legacy. Um, I mean, it's almost, to me, this movie resembles in a lot of ways, but it's obviously much better, um, Queen of the Damned. Right. And it has this same sort of tragedy oh, yeah. to it. So when you're watching it, you kind of get this sense of, you know, it's very gothic and it's very moody and you're already put into that knowing what's come of the stars of the films. So it's like, it's yeah, that, it, it put me in that same mood seeing that. Oh yeah, like I, you know, I didn't even make that connection, but yeah, they're totally similar in their personal story. You know, this was yeah. this was supposed to be like a, a big opportunity for this up and comer. You know, Aaliyah had been established as a as a music artist, but as an actress, like this was like a big deal. You know, for her doing to do Queen of the Dam. So yeah, there's a really interesting parallel here between the two mm-hmm. of them. So yeah, you're spot on with that for sure. Yeah, I do like that. Um, this starts with this, like we said, it's beautifully written in the very beginning. Like the crow um, takes your soul to the land of the dead. Yeah. So I, I do like this sort of like superhero type origin story yeah. going on. And also here. the mythology behind it. Like it's kind of cool. I like this idea. Like I was like, is this real? But even if it is, it's, if it's real or not, like as far as like this folklore existing, I know I really yeah. like it. I like this idea of like the crow, um, you know, being this sort of spirit guide. And, yeah. um, you know, just, I don't know how, I don't know how the crow picks and chooses who to attach to, but I mean, um, so for some reason it was Eric this time around. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Cause it, cause what happens here is really tragic. And I wonder if like the crow thing is like attached to like tragedy, but also I feel like him and like Eric and, Sh- uh, Shelly were involved in some sort of occult business, right? They seem, yeah, like their settings, every time we see Eric and Shelley, like in these flashbacks, like where you see yeah. candles, they look like they've, they live a very esoteric lifestyle. Oh, for sure. It's very like, whim- like, yeah, very occulty. Maybe they, they're like, maybe she's a witch. I feel like she might've been some sort of kind of, like witch. She looks like one. Yeah. She does look <laughs> like a witch, but like, a, but she's very beautiful. She's like this beautiful, yeah. this beautiful witch. And, you know, who fell for this, you know, rock, rock star. star. It's, it's kind of yeah. a cute, like, it's really cute, a, a sweet story. And that's one thing I will say about this movie as it's like dark and like gothy as it is. Like at the core of this, this movie is a fucking love story. Yeah, it's and all it's about love. And it's very sweet. 
make okay so that that brings us to kind of like the backstory of the comic like this is based on the comic book series by james obar who was inspired by the loss of his own um love of his life who died tragically in a car accident and then also read a story about a couple who was killed over a robbery for the woman's engagement ring. Yeah, a $30 engagement ring. A $30 engagement ring. Like, not even a big diamond or stone. Like, uh, this is so unfortunate. And he thought it was very tragic. So, bringing, using his paint, I guess before he was, like, on drugs and he, you know, an alcohol downward spiral, but then came up with the idea of the crow as a way to sort of work out his pain. Yeah, and I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, like drawing from those experiences and creating something like this. Um, yeah, definitely a, a would probably be a really wonderful form of catharsis or, you know, just therapeutic yeah. probably for him. Um, and to like, and have a character be able to come back and like avenge such a senseless act. Like mm-hmm. what happens here? This These are just two people who don't have any connection to the people that murder and, you know, uh, unfortunately rape this girl. Like, they don't have any connection. Like, there's no... There's nothing about them that, like... It's not like they were, like, connected to this, like, sort of crime ring or anything. They're just two people who are, like, in love, minding their own business. And I guess that she had something to say about they were trying to relocate them because of something called devil's night where they just set all these buildings on fire right and it's like a it was like a thing like which i was like is that real but i think it was just created for this movie this like devil's night thing but um yeah it's like where like these this crime lord or this like they, they just set fires all over the city it's like an arsonist holiday <laughs> yeah and um i guess she didn't want to move and so they're like well we needed to re you know we needed to get her out of there because we needed to burn this building down. Yeah, she was, and, like, uh, protesting because I guess there were other people in that building that were, like, you know, yeah. low income and stuff like that. Yeah. So she was trying to save their, you know, homes. Right, but... exactly. And, they, and she, I guess she became a nuisance. And then, um, but other than that, like, that's the only thing that caused this. And they went in there to, like, put the fear of God in her, but then they ended up, you know, causing much more you know disturbance than they expected and you know especially when they they kill they kill him and you know they leave her for dead and um it's it's really tragic it's like a it's just like a a tragic way to start our story but it's a good like taking off place storytelling wise yeah and then this the also the time that in which this takes place like october 30th devil's night like ooh, you know and then and then that brings me to like thinking is this like because it's Halloween basically that like that's why Eric was able to come back like it's because maybe you know like when the you know how they say like the 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 veil between the spirit world yes gets thinner and and the dead are able to walk the earth maybe yeah so maybe something happened that that night because then uh you know this this happens you know unfortunately Shelly dies they uh somehow i don't know they they wheel her out and we uh, you know little sarah comes up to her and they have a full conversation and then she goes to die which i was like wow she's pretty coherent to to just go die (laughs) she's like i'm gonna monologue real quick and then uh then i'm gonna go die um but (laughs) uh but then then a full year later um 
the crow comes and comes knocking on the door of that gravestone. He's all, hey, bitch, time to get up. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, so... All of this... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So technically, it also takes place, like, on Halloween, right? Yeah. And the setting of Detroit, like, this is, like, a like a very crime-ridden Detroit. Like, it's oh run my God. by, It's, like, like, almost dystopian. This gang of just, you know, heathens. And um, I this is my first time watching it, and I was shocked to... To, I, I, like I went into this literally not knowing nothing except about Brandon Lee's story in this, and um, I started watching it, and I was like, "When was this movie made?" I like looked it up, and I'm like, "1994." Like literally, this looks just like Sin City, if not better. And I'm like, "Yeah," th- to think that this t- you know was filmed twelve years 90s. before that. It's like wow, with a, with a with a really pretty low budget. This movie had like a. I think it started with a $10 million budget. I And I think that the plan for this movie was to be released direct to video. Yeah. <clears throat> like when, they, when they were filming it. But then once the Brandon Lee incident happened and it was sensationalized. Yeah. The, the studio funded $8 million more in order for the movie to be um, completed and wide released and, so they made the most of the budget with this film, I think. You know, even though the yeah. production was plagued with its own issues, apparently people were uh, were coked out, you know, making the film as well as the characters in the film. Like, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot going on. It appears on, but, to be that way. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess sometimes chaos breeds, I don't know, magic or beauty. Or oh, absolutely. This movie's stunning, and the gothic visuals are a mood, like. I will be watching this probably totally. once a year from now on. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I think it, yeah, it's so good. But like, so we get this like city, right? The yeah. city just looks like so dangerous and dirty. It's like, like I was saying earlier, it almost feels city. like dystopian. Like it's like, yeah, Gotham City, like overrun. But by like crime. darker. Yeah, darker and rainier. Like this shit is rainy. <laughs> moody. <laughs> like, this is a moody ass Detroit. For sure. For sure. We have this like really dark heavy visual but sometimes what this movie does which like blew my mind a few times was that the score would get like really beautiful did you notice this like in the scene like in the cemetery when like eric was coming up the score was like has like these like sweeping string melodies i was like this is really beautiful like i don't know it like almost gave you like a break from like even though we just started the film, like everything that we've seen is so dark and so like rock, rock and roll and all this stuff that like yeah. the resurrection of Eric was like really beautiful sounding and it was like bright and light. And yeah. um, I don't know. I really, I really, I thought that was a really nice way to juxtapose it because even though him coming out is like sort of like a dark moment, like, Oh, this person's literally coming up back from the dead. And then we get um, a lot of visuals of uh, Mr. Lee Running around topless. Doing oh my god, yeah, he looks phenomenal. He's so I hot. Know. He was so hot. Like the body was on point and just stunning face. Like he had everything I think to to be a a star. A star. Like he still would have been. Um, oh yeah. What do you th- what did you think of this rise from the dead scene? Like I know you said that it was kind of scary. I thought it could have been a little. Cooler. That is weird. I did think that the escape from the the coffin was very easy. He all of a sudden there was the hole was open. And he and just he like crawled right out just of it. As beautiful as when he died. And but like yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm like maybe it was like supposed to be as disorienting as maybe it was for him. 
you know, we're sort of on the experience with him. Like, oh God, like there's all these just flashing images. Uh He's, you know, he's sort of going through it too because he doesn't know what's going on, why he's back, what his purpose is or where he's even going. You know, he ends up at the, at the, apartment again but i don't know maybe that's what it is i mean yeah so you kind of didn't like it you thought it was kind of i thought it was like you said a little too easy i do think that it's um disorienting for sure but i i was like um, yeah it just like he might as well just have flown out of the grave i was like oh okay i I know exactly grittier not so clean of course especially because everything else in this movie is so gritty yeah exactly it just doesn't it kind of doesn't match but the director said that during like the test screenings that the audiences were like questioning like well how did he come back and why does he have powers now and and he was like who the hell cares like <laughs> says this is the a movie yeah the movie's got a movie hello we're just like it is accepted this movie is magic i don't know yeah you know? exactly uh, this is the, for you to escape now everything needs to make sense and then there's like some interesting imagery like we get back to the apartment that cat is still there gabriel and i was like okay there's like a little like angel metaphor going on here i know i'm like does like this does gabriel signify like shelly's presence yeah yeah it's like uh i don't yeah for me, for me it was like like I felt like angel, like Gabriel angel. Like he's sort of yes. like this dark guardian angel, which we come to find. Um, so I was like, I was like, that's kind of a, a, a cute imagery. I wish there would have been a little more, not that the cat needed more airtime. Lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So then we get the first glimpse of, of his power, right? He, he cuts his hand like really deep on this window and then it heals immediately. And he's like, Oh shit. I got the power. And then yeah, he's like, exactly. Let's go um, put on my best leather and let's go fuck these dudes up. I know. Oh, you know what? Sorry. Something I forgot to mention during the flashback moments is I thought they did something really clever because anytime, I guess in the comic book, it's black and white, but when there are flashbacks, yeah. they're in full Technicolor. And in the movie, they wanted to do the same thing, but they were like, no, 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 that's uninteresting. Like, you have to put right. some color, just filter it, filter it out. Um, I thought something that they did really clever is when we have these, like, love, lovely romantic moments with Sarah, or, God, Sarah, <laughs> with <laughs> Shelly and Eric, <laughs> um, mm. it's very warm, and there are a lot of candles and a lot of yeah. reds, and um, it's feels very lush and then as warm yes and as this terror is happening to them um there are these flashes and that are almost like bluish and it's like bringing this like coldness Mm. to it because everything after shelly dies is cold and dark oh yeah and so this is like the interruption of the warmth like this rape and murder scene it's like oh my gosh this is a transition almost. Yeah. It's like immediately transitions. All of a sudden this like warm, beautiful love we see. Cause we have lots of images of them laughing and holding each other and, you know, goofing yeah. off with each other, cooking all these wonderful things. And it's like in this red warm light. But as soon as tragedy strikes, it's like cold, it's dark, it's blue. Shall we go on? Yes. The first person he locates is Tintin, played by Lawrence Mason, a thug obsessed with knives. Eric engages in hand-to-hand combat. He wins the fight by catching a knife and pinning Tintin to the wall with it. 
Eric confronts him about the murders the previous year, and Tintin laughs in his face, mocking Shelley. Eric finishes him off by stabbing him in each vital organ, in alphabetical order, with his own knives, and takes his trench coat, leaving a crow-shaped bloodstain on the wall of the alley. Using Tintin's memories, he goes to the pawn shop where Tintin sold Shelley's engagement ring. Eric forces the owner, Gideon, played by John Polito, to show him where the ring is located and finds it mixed in a box with dozens of other rings. He lets Gideon live so that he can deliver a message of death to the rest of the gang before he douses the counters in gasoline, loads a shotgun with other rings of destroyed lives and fires, igniting the shop in massive explosion. Gideon escapes alive but badly burned. Eric locates the next thug on his list, Fun Boy, played by Michael Massey, getting high in an apartment with Sarah's drug-addicted mother, Darla, played by Anna Thompson. Fun Boy shoots Eric in his hand, and Eric mocks him by pretending to scream in pain before showing the hole in his palm healed before his eyes. Frightened, Fun Boy is easily disarmed by Eric and is shot in the thigh before being injected with an overdose of morphine. Eric then confronts Darla, but merely says that morphine is bad for her, forcing the drug out of her arm, seemingly by magic, and tells her that she should return to her daughter, who's surviving alone on the streets. Yes, yes. Okay, I have to say that this actor, Lawrence Mason, playing Tintin, I love the way he moves. Like, from oh, yeah? from when he, like, leans down to, like, light his cigarette with, like, the, the barrel on fire. Um, right. I don't know. It's, like, the way he moves. It's almost, like, dancerly. Like, I was, like, in awe of him. I was like, oh, my God. You're a dancer. Oh, he probably is. Like, I'm sure if we looked up his background, he's like, hell, yeah, I graduated from Alvin Ailey, blah, blah, blah. Like, he, like, just... He just has like such beautiful movement of his of his body, you know. Yes, stage presence. Yeah, for sure. But then on the other hand, we have um, we kind of start meeting these thugs and seeing how they are in real life, and they're like just like this pack of toxic ass men, and who just scream Ew. with each other, and they fucking eat cigarette butts, and they're like pulling guns at each other's. I was like, oh my god! I was like, this is yeah. such toxic bullshit. There, there, there's that that scene that you're talking about where they're swallowing cigarettes yeah. and bullets and stuff. They are, you know. Uh, Darla is their waitress at some local pub that is has right. a hotel on top of it and uh, she is like serving drinks and she's like put the guns away will you and all, <laughs> all I could think about was like Brittany Murphy in Sin City where yeah. you know she's being mistreated by that group that table of men and I was like this is literally that seriously and, they're, and she, I'm like that poor girl I was like she does not get paid enough for that shit and uh, you know, in that, I was like, oh, I like felt bad for her. And then l- later on, I was like, oh, never mind, fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck not her. fuck she's her. Like, Obviously, she's she has her own problems. She's, she's lost. She's lost. Yeah. yeah, I do like that. Each character has a very defined character. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like their the- personalities, their habits, how they're what they're skilled in. Like everybody has like their own little right. backstory even if it's just briefly mentioned that i think it's very tarantino tintin is really skilled with knives and fun boy has a morphine addiction like there's just all yeah. these different layers skank is named skank <laughs> oh not skank i know and I, <laughs> and it's great that tintin he's like he's good with knives he never misses and he ends up 
being a victim yeah. to his knives. Exactly. Just like Vivica A. Fox and Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly she, she, that. Yeah. She's yeah, she's the knife expert and she gets one right in the chest. So yeah, it's like yeah, i like that idea of like flipping this like expertise on them. It's mm-hmm. like you probably use that to ruin so many people's lives and uh look what's coming for you now. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then fun boy the same thing like he has a morphine addiction and so uh eric really takes it over the top by just sticking all the needles into him like oh yeah it's it's almost like slasher-ish something you mentioned like several episodes ago like these like slasher set pieces of you know each person dying in a very elaborate but distinct way exactly like who's who's gonna be next who's he gonna find next who's having their big moment um, yeah, it does kind of feel like that, like, because he is, he is sort of like the stalker, you know, Eric, he's, he's coming for them. He's like death personified. This shot with the rings and the pawn shot when he shoots and the oh, rings. Yeah. I, I mean, I, this is where, to me, like the movie really centers itself, at, like with the heart in the middle of it. Like, it's just like this yeah. pulsing heart like there's all these like backstories to it and i i really love the soul of it like the even the scene with uh darla where he makes the where he forces the morphine out of her her track marks amazing i was like oh this is so touching because he is he as even though he's kind of scary looking right like he has like this like kind of creepy mime looking ass makeup on and he's like dark and dressed in leather and he's he is killing these you know horrible people but it it is almost like he he has such a heart like you are you love you're like rooting for eric because he's not like this like john wick ish type character who is so like brooding and so like soulless that you're you're just watching somebody kill a bunch of people like he's emotional like he has he feels he's compassionate like he's he had not that Darla was involved in anything at all, but he could have just left her there. But instead he takes the opportunity to like literally squeeze the morphine out of her arm to save her and was is like, look, bitch, you need to go fucking raise your child. You got to get your shit together as a mother. Like, I don't, that is like such a powerful, I don't know, even though none of that is really said, it's like implied and it's like, yeah. Wow. Oh, he actually does say something really beautiful. He, he's like, I, um, a mother is a god in the eyes of a child or something like that. And I was like, oh, yes. that's so sweet. He's so poetic. Yes. I, I That was a really beautiful, touching moment. I, I was like, oh my god, this is like really, for being like this like action slash horror movie, like right. this really has a lot of love in it and a lot of heart. And yeah. these touching moments could you could easily overlook because of that. But I think that they're they really stand out and are the stronger moments of the film. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're like my favorite moments. And when whenever we get to see that really human side of Eric, I like melt a little bit. Like not just because he's like hot or whatever, but I melt because I'm like, oh my God, well, he was like a yeah that too but he was like so he's like such a genuine character and he you know he has one mission he's focused he's focused on the mission at hand like there's no denying that he's there to fucking kill these dudes but at the end of the day it's all driven by his intense love for this woman you know who died and you know we do have these like reminders of the relationship like you know going to get the engagement ring when like we're like you know, like it's all still 
focused on that. It's still, it's not just random kills. Yeah, because then then he would have killed Darla instead of saving her. And, of course. You know, it would have been over the top. But yeah, I think that yeah. this, this, everything coming back to this love that he has in him is really nice. Okay, so then we make our way and, and we start meeting our like, villain villains right like these are like low life villains we've seen so far like Tin Tin and fun boy and you know these motherfuckers but then now we're getting to like our our bosses right which is going to be um well first we meet we get a in kind of a cameo i would say by tony todd in a small role oh my I'm god like, i on, know candy man i know i thought he looked really handsome in this i was like oh he's clean yeah, he he's did. sharp he's chic yeah yeah Exactly, and this was like post Candyman, right? Totally, yeah. This is at least a year later, and he was really, right. you know, debonair in that one too. But in this one, right. like, daddy, yeah, he with looks, the suit he looks on, good and all black. Oh yeah, yeah, like a pinstripe, like a mobster looking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. daddy, yeah. <laughs> okay. Albrecht, meanwhile, has been following the deaths of the thugs around town. He doesn't share the rest of the department's view on the killings, thinking of them as more of a blessing than a curse. He even goes so far as to rescue Eric as he flees from choppers after his latest killing, though Eric is quick to disappear afterwards. Upon meeting again later on, Eric explains what he's doing and offers his best reason as to why he's come back. Albrecht tells him what he knows of Shelley's death and reveals that he stayed with her as she suffered through 30 hours of agony before dying. Eric touches Albrecht and receives from him all the pain felt by Shelley during that time. Gideon goes to Top Dollar, played by Michael Wincott, the leader of all gangs in Detroit, and warns him about Eric. Top Dollar responds by stabbing Gideon through the throat with a sword sinking it to the hilt as his lover slash half-sister slash soothsayer Micah, played by Bai Ling, looks on with glee. Around the same time, two of Top Dollar's thugs, T-Bird, played by David Patrick Kelly, and Skank, played by Angel David. Oh, no, I mean Jake Signs, no? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Stop by with the news about Tintin's murder. Top Dollar shows only virtually no concern for Tintin's demise and snorts cocaine from a large pile. T-Bird and Skank stop at a convenience store for supplies. Eric sneaks into T-Bird's classic Ford Thunderbird and kidnaps him while Skank is in the store. Eric forces T-Bird to drive at high speed through the streets. Skank runs into the street, gets hit by a car, and steals it to follow the pair. He watches as Eric ties T-Bird to the driver's seat of a car with explosives strapped to him and lets the car drive off the pier where it explodes midair and sinks into the harbor. When the police arrive, they discover a fiery symbol in the shape of a crow at the scene. Meanwhile, Darla tries to reconcile with Sarah by making her breakfast. Though Sarah is skeptical at first of her mother's sudden change of heart, she accepts the effort and hugs her. Albrecht's superior chews him out just because he can and tells him he's suspended for misconduct. I love that um, Albrecht is a uh, is also uh, wants to do the right thing. I love that yeah. he's a good guy. I know exactly. It's nice to see like a nice cop in this like crooked ass town. You know, you, usually you would you would assume that the cocks the cocks wow woo <laughs> oh yummy is that, mm, sorry uh, you would assume that the cops would be just as crooked as the criminals and they probably are right. but you know he um, has sort of taken on this uh, fatherly figure or I don't know maybe not fatherly but at least a friendly figure to L- Little Miss Sarah 
Yeah, know, who's just this, kind like, of punk. checking in on her every now and then on the streets. Right, yeah, she's like this punky little girl who rides around her skateboard. Um, and invented the undercut. She has an undercut uh, back there. Okay. I was like, I was yes, like, Miss Sarah leading the trend. ahead of her time. Ahead of her time. Uh, so we have this scene, yeah, with Albrecht and Eric that, again, I really love. I like that we get a little more human time with Eric. That he's yes. not just this cold-blooded killer. He has feelings. And um, when he gets the memory of Shelley's death, that like 30 hours of pain, he's like really affected by it. It's um, mm, He's empathetic. Yeah, this is such like a great acting moment for Brandon Lee. I think this is like, um, of all the, a lo- all the moments in the film, this is probably a showcase of his like range or talent that... You know, or potential, I would say, sort of yeah. just like like Aaliyah, like there there were like moments of potential that you could just see there that glimmering through. Yeah, you know, like who knows what their their careers could have been, and it's such a tragedy, of course, now that um, is not possible. I know. On a lighter note, when he confronts Albrecht in his apartment, I love Daddy Albrecht in his boxers. Oh my god! And shirt, but he has his cop hat on. It's oh sexy. my god! I know. I just think of him as the police chief in uh, Miss Congeniality, but you don't know her. <laughs> yeah, I have never seen her. Oh my god, okay. I know, kill me. But it is interesting that like we're getting more um, information on Eric's powers, like this ability to like sort of read minds and, um, yeah. you know, and again, like we aren't like, apparently there was a whole character cut out of this film called yes. the, Sk- the Skull Cowboy. Right. And this character, I guess, was sort of leading us as the audience into, like, or as far as, like, what Eric's purpose is and what his powers are. And I think that they just thought, like, we don't really need that. Like, the audience gets what's happening. But, um, I mean, maybe that character explained, you know, maybe more of Eric's powers, but we are just seeing it happen as we go so like when we see something like oh he can uh read minds all of a sudden it's like okay great cool yeah right. alex Proya well, said that he ended up cutting out skull cowboy because they did film those scenes but they were so they he maybe had like five minutes of screen time and they were he was kind of like i don't think that we need to explain eric's powers like suspend your yeah. disbelief and just follow the ride and then exactly i think what they ended up doing was putting like because he i think skull cowboy also like described how Eric came back to life and this and that. Right. And they just replaced it with um, Sarah's narr- narration at the beginning and right. end of the movie. Which so, I like. I think I think yeah. it's great. I think it's a nice bookend for sure. Yeah, totally. I remember as a child um, seeing that scene. I think we already skipped it, but I feel like I need to mention that because I feel like it kind of traumatized me when I was a kid. <laughs> like I, I specifically remember this, that scene where Eric gets shot in the hand by Fun Boy and then, like, you see his him turn his hand around, and it, like, gets smaller, and then it's, like, completely healed. Yes. That scene, like, fucked me up as a kid. I don't even know where I saw it or why I was watching this movie, but that scene freaked me out. I was, like, scared of that. I was like, this man is so scary. Yeah. Looking at it now, I'm like, he's a hero. But, like, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid and I had no idea what was going on in this movie, I was like, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen. I don't I know. know. And the visual effects are great. Again, for yeah. the time, like... That big-ass fake hand, I was like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we meet our our some of our main villains, Top Dollar right. and Miss Micah. Miss, Mi- yeah, exactly. Which are like this really fucked up 
um, stepbrother, brother, and si- half brother. Oh, half, half. Ew. They're related. They have like, the same like, dad. Father. He's like that's yeah. Even the even uh, Gideon, isn't it Gideon? Who's like yeah. He's like Bleh. this is your sister. Ew. Do we love the incest storyline? No. Was it necessarily no? I I, I would literally was so distracted by Top Dollar's mane of hair. Oh my this god. Thing had inches. Oh, and Miss By Miss Byling's uh, makeup. Oh, ooh. oh <laughs> my God! Joey was Joey, my fucking boyfriend, is a drag queen. It was like, oh my God! He's like, she has my lips on when I'm in drag. <laughs> they were so overdrawn. She looked like she looked like you know those that, those candy lips you can buy. Those wax ones. Yes, that you can <laughs> eat. Yes, <laughs> that's literally what her. And she was freshly out of the shower. She literally got out of the oh, shower. Yeah. Her hair is even so wet. And she like goes to sit down and talk to him, and she fully has this overdrawn ass mouth on. Literally is, clown, clown, and those so eyebrows funny. like oh. sharpie. They're horrible. Yeah. I mean, she looks like, crazy. She looks crazy, but I guess her character's evil. And then yeah. you know we're we're gonna get some crazy ass wigs from her as well. So oh, I love. I actually really love uh, Micah's fashions throughout. I oh, think yeah. that they tell a brilliant story about her, and she's just yeah. this witchy woman, you know. So, um, I always thought Biling was a witch. So this is totally <laughs> like f- feeding into my fantasy. Oh my god! I know. Do you know this was her first like um, American film role? Yeah, I did know that because she was like only in like Chinese films before, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But she, yeah, but she, uh, she made her way up. And then we, this is the beginning, the first time we were introduced to Bai Ling as like the American culture. So, wow. all right, work. Work as Bai Ling. So establishing Top Dollar as like basically the head honcho of this entire, all the gangs of Detroit and all these, you know, thugs that we're meeting work under him. Um, yeah. We can really thank the streamlining of these storylines to David J. Show, who was not the original. I think John Shirley was the original writer of the movie. Right. And then he came in and fluffed it up and ironed some things out. And David J. Show is a horror legend. He uh, wrote Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. <laughs> Critters 3. Critters 3. And Critters 4. Oh, my God. Just the pinnacle of horror masterpiece like work. Like, but he, he really cleaned up this script because allegedly yeah. in the original script, the villains were like all over the place and they were like individual, like they weren't connected. And so he really came in and started making this hierarchy of who these thugs are. And then he added the element of Devil's Night, which is, Ooh, I mean, which is great. Really great. Yeah. So good kudos to Mr. Cho. Yes. Okay. T-Bird and Skank, if they, if you get two pictures of them and like morph them together, you get Charles Manson. Oh, yeah, probably. But I mean, these two, Skank and what's his name? What's the other one's name? T-Bird. Like Grease. Oh, uh, yeah, literally, yes. Oh, my God, what a pair. And they're, like, freaking frack, right? And they're, like, more of that screaming thing. They're all, fire it up! Fire it up! Fire it up! They're, like, screaming at each other on the street. They're, like, so cracked out. <laughs> oh, my God. And then um, one of them, I think T-Bird calls Skank probably one of the weirdest insults I've ever heard, which is that stupid ass hair. You're not an ass, bitch. You're an ass hair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. An yeah. ingrown one. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Ew. 
Oh my god, but this whole sequence is hilarious. T-Bird escapes, because once like Eric shows up, T-Bird escapes in the car, leaving Skank there, and Skank like runs out and then full on gets hit by a car. Oh, that by. scene is so funny. I was like dying. So first of all, he like run- gets run over, but he still survives. So then T-Bird and um, Eric are like running from the cops, right? And then these cops are driving, and at one point, the fucking one of the cops throws his coffee all over himself. Oh yes! And the acting is so funny. It was like <laughs> so over the top. It was like, Wah! like threw the coffee pretty much like in his own face. I know stars, and they're only in two seconds of the film. Literally, they stole this moment. He's and like, then, oh, I uh, hate this creamer," and he's like, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny. But I don't know. During this whole sequence, um, hear me out. This is what I was thinking. I was like, there must be like a like a a freedom in this like being dead thing for Eric. Like imagine like just coming back and knowing that you're like invincible and that you can do whatever. Like Yeah. Like, that must be really freeing. Like just the idea like I can just yeah. do anything I want and kill all these people and um uh, don't have to think twice about it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to look this up because I don't know where it came from, but um, when he's tying up T-Bird in that car and he's literally taped to the chair and he knows that he's about to die, he keeps yeah. repeating this phrase, abash the devil stood. And right before he launches off to explode in midair, yeah. he says the full thing, which is abash the devil stood. And he felt how awful goodness is. And I'm like, this movie's so poetic. Seriously. I mean, we already had before, like, Eric, like, spouting literally Edgar Allan Poe. Like, he's, like, yeah. almost like a Poe stan. Or maybe in the afterlife, he did his homework. Um, but, I mean, yeah. So there's, like, so many moments of, like, poetry that come through here. And I actually, uh, I wrote that down because I was, like, I want to look it up. And I never did. But I, I was, like, a, a, like, a bash the devil stood and how he felt how awful goodness is. It's almost like... What does that mean? Like, <laughs> how awful goodness is. Like that's right. Well, well, maybe it's like it's like, it's like you you've relied on the devil so much, and once like even though Eric is killing them, he's still technically like a force of good, right? So maybe it's like you rely so much on the devil, on evil, oh. to live your life, and then you see goodness. goodness. And then it's like... And you feel how awful goodness is. I'll show you how awful goodness feels. Kaboom! (laughs) Oh, and then the crow in flames is dope imagery. Oh, for sure. And it's like so superhero. I feel like this is like... This is like... Even though Batman, his story is pretty dark. Like, this is like the dark Batman. (laughs) Yes, totally. Uh, You know what, though? I almost feel like uh, the new Batman, the one with um, Zoe Kravitz and Mm -hmm. Robert Pattinson, is sort of ripping a page out of the Crow book a little bit. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was quite inspired. It's so dark and moody like this. I'm kind of excited now to see it. Oh, I'm super excited for it. Um, so I was just thinking just now, I was like, what would be the last thing I say before I get uh, driven off of a pier and explode? And I think I got it. What? I'd say, sweet screams, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would be right behind you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're going out. That's my quote. It's pure poetry. <laughs> oh my God. And then we have this little uh, moment where Darla, Miss Darla over here, she's like, I'm going to cook eggs. She, 
She's like, I'm going to cook eggs. I'm like, wow, mother of the year. She's really turned it around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's obviously still on drugs, but at least she's Literally. making breakfast. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know, baby steps. And even Miss Sarah, she's like, what is going on here? She's like, I don't want eggs. I liked eggs when I was little. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. What do you drink now? Black coffee and cigarettes? <laughs> I was waiting for this to get like, <laughs> yeah, real Rob Zombie. <laughs> but you know what? Good for Darla. You're, we're seeing the work, in, you know, in, in motion. Yes, you know? we're seeing the 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 goodness that Eric is bringing to the city. Yes, he's cleaning it up. He turned a junky mother into a good mother. Yes. Sarah, Sarah goes, goes to, to Eric's apartment and speaks out to the shadows, feeling that he must be nearby. She tells him that she misses him and Shelly, but when no one responds, goes to leave and says that she figured he wouldn't care anymore. Eric speaks to her, appearing in the window, and tells her that, although they cannot be friends anymore, he still cares about her. Skank retreats to the gang hideout, rambling wildly about Eric. Like, wild. Like, this oh. acting is fucking hysterical. Yeah. I'll paint it up like a dead whore! <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god this performance um how did it not get recognized during awards uh, by season? the academy i honestly <laughs> but you know what i will say i'm like he really went there he really went he's there. full out he's full out felicia he's 110 <laughs> <laughs> percent. so he's rambling wildly about eric and sarah and albrecht bond over their mutual experiences with eric and discuss how he came back at the gang hideout, Top Dollar, hardly concerned for T-Bird's fate, is discussing plans for criminal activity on Devil's Night with his other criminal associates. The criminal book club. Yeah, they all look great. It's always like the when the witches meet all in Hansel and Gretel, and they all look different. Yes. <laughs> Eric crashes the meeting looking for Skank and proceeds to mock everyone in the room. He's all, good morning, good morning, good morning. Not, Not you. you. You could choke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Top Dollar orders him killed, and his associates all open fire, forcing Eric off the large conference table. He rises after a few moments, and a massive gunfight ensues. Top Dollar escapes with Micah and his Lieutenant Grange, played by Tony Todd. Sexy. Eric easily kills everyone in the room by gun, fists, and swords, saving Skank for last, throwing him out the window. The police arrive to find Eric the last man standing. He escapes with Albrecht's help. Top Dollar, Grange, and Micah discuss Eric and his unique abilities. Micah reveals that Eric is invulnerable to harm, but only if his link to the real world, the crow, remains untouched. Realizing that if they kill the crow, they can kill Eric, and the three of them hatch a plan. So we get some more little warm, touching moments when Sarah yeah. is reunited with Eric. Well, she was earlier, but she didn't realize totally that it was him. But now they really get to, like, come face to yeah, face. Yeah, come face to face. And I wonder if... And there was, like, a moment that happens, like a flashback, where it looked like they were... Like, Eric and Shelly were trying to get pregnant through using magic. Did you notice that? I yeah, there was like something in one of the flashbacks that like um, sort of alluded to it that they were trying to get pregnant, or maybe I I wrote that down for some reason. I was like, oh, so maybe like Sarah was their it was like almost like their child figure, you know? They they were obviously like had really maternal and paternal instincts, like 
you know, to take care of a child. Maybe that's what they were working for you know, towards, you know, in their relationship. And Sarah was that person. So they do. He probably does view her as like a child, like a daughter. Um, almost. Yeah. But one of the I know the rules that school cowboy school cowboy said before he um, was cut from the movie was that like you will like you can't serve man like you can't be friends with humans yeah like, you're here to like you're here to like do the job and go yes you know you're here to avenge you're in Shelly's murders yeah. and then that's it and then you have to get the hell out of there because as soon as you start doing things for humanity you your powers will get weaker right exactly like you'll you'll be able to be killed and so he's like I can't you know it's probably painful for him like he's like I, I really care about you I just can't be your friend but um you know, I want to let you know that I miss you too. And it's like, oh God, and it's so sweet. But then she kind of adopts a Gabriel. That's sort of like her party gift. You know, sure, and Gabriel, yeah. like we were talking about earlier, is just this stark white cat. And it's like so yeah. jarring compared to all of its surroundings. Oh my God, skank. <laughs> oh my God, skank. I can't, this performance. I, I know we already talked about it, but... Um, it, it's so... <laughs> over the top but yeah he committed yeah. and the only you have to appreciate thing this. the only thing that is more over the top in this scene is miss byling's wig miss byling's that, wig that shit looked like a like a dead dog on her head it was like <laughs> crimped but also teased but also braids but also just <laughs> crazy on her head i appreciate the campy value of some of this movie as well oh i have to say for top dollar and micah like the flamboyancy of it all is just stellar like exactly when, when they're having this meeting with the gang members he's obviously the flashiest like everyone else is dug out and he's like clean right. and his hair is perfectly uh, brushed and miss Byling yeah. is something crazy to her hair and then uh, when Eric comes in, he's wearing his, you know, leather getup. And mm-hmm. the way that uh, Top Dollar is standing there when he's when he like, gets in, he's so, like, unfazed oh, yeah. by his entrance. And he goes, nice outfit. <laughs> I loved it. I, I, I think he... I wonder if he's, like, a little, like... I don't know, queer. Do you think there's like a little queer coding he's in here? He's definitely sexually fluid. I even think that yeah. he's gender fluid in his presentation. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, he's already, I don't know. He's uh, obviously has questionable, you know, uh, choices with his sister. Right. But, so um, being queer is definitely something strange that he would partake in. <laughs> That's not what I meant when I was. Going, I had to stop myself. I was like, "Wait a minute, that, Yo, that's a bad point." Yeah, well, he's already committing incest, so why not be gay? <laughs> Might as well be gay. <laughs> but anyway, he's—I don't know—he's just an—he's like an over-the-top, yeah, flamboyant character who like has this collection of like samurai swords. Oh, I know. Like he's nuts and pirates. Like some swords. rich people bullshit. This is like right. people with like too much power and they're like that they revert to like just being children who collect toys and like, you know, they just like have like a childish mentality, but they're really powerful. Yes. Yes. We yeah. get some great stunts in this. Um, the, the shooting and like Eric just coming oh, yeah. after all these men. Like this is like, gr- this is showing off a lot of Brandon Lee's skills as a stuntman. Oh, right. It- as, yeah, as like a martial artist. I mean, yes. look look where he, he comes from. I mean, his father is literally the legendary. most legendary 
kung fu movie star of all time. And um, obviously he picked up a lot. He trained with some protégés of his father because his I think he was like eight when his dad died. So like he didn't get a lot of time. But I know they grew up like, you know, in a martial arts setting, of course, when he yes. was little. But then he ended up training with one of Bruce Lee's protégés um, as an adult and really honed his own martial arts skills. So yeah, this is a great showcase of of that talent and you know again that potential that he could have been the next i don't know bruce willis or some shit i mean he's yeah, too pretty totally. for that but yeah he's too pretty <laughs> maybe like a um, keanu he would have been john wick yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly um, um there's this yeah. moment where he's coming after skank after everyone else is dead and skank is under the table and um eric is on top of it and there's this like flashing going about on his face it is the again beautiful imagery like this movie does not yeah. disappoint with the aesthetic i could watch this on mute and it would be still compelling yeah really compelling really good um yeah and miss skank gets it <laughs> <laughs> they call you that don't they uh miss skank yes. uh, miss skank <laughs> yes yes and i get it good <laughs> yeah 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 he he definitely and he's all high on speed, so he probably didn't feel a thing. Oh, yeah. No, he's fine. I, I'm not worried about old skank. <laughs> <laughs> so Micah, she's like a psychic or what? I don't know. So, yeah, this is where I'm like, okay, we're really suspending disbelief because I'm like, how does bitch know any of this? She's like, I've got it. It's the crow. The crow is the source of his power. And if we killed the crow he will die too i'm like girl how do you know i I, like right away when we meet micah i'm like she's a witch and like you're saying you're introducing this idea in all of our heads that maybe uh, shelly and eric were sort of living this like um witchy lifestyle as well so maybe this is just really like a battle of like magic for good and magic for bad right but like in like a, a much grounded way to where it's not overt it's like the yeah, influence they're not of the occult, using maybe. potions and cauldrons right. and things. Exactly. They're not like, the witch is back. It's like, you know, it's <laughs> Yeah, Miss Micah doesn't have a wand in her hand. Oh my God, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's just, she's like, it's the, the bird. I know it. This bird is also a star. Oh, are you There are so me? many close-ups that this bird is like investigating the scene, spying and flying. And I'm like, yes, Miss oh Bird. God, yeah. Miss Bird did the thing, and um, fun fact: this actually is not a crow. This it's is a actually, raven. It's a raven, <laughs> but it's I mean, huge. I was like, "There's no way!" Like it has to yeah, be I know. like. But apparently, they had, to, they had to do like a lot of training with it because, um, I guess there were a lot of night shoots, and I guess you know ravens oh, don't yes. fl- they don't fly at night, so they had to like train the bird to fly and not I don't know sleep. <laughs> And then they also had to train the bird to fly in rain, which it's which it doesn't do. So oh, that man. that bird went through it, and is a star. Mm-hmm. And also to land on Brandon, right? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. A lot of training, though. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Now we have a clear idea of what it's going to take to take down Eric, and yes. now that information is in the hands of our villains. So um, let's see what happens. Yes. Having killed the last of the four who had murdered him and Shelly, Eric returns to the cemetery and visits Shelly's grave. 
Sarah meets him there to say goodbye and he gives her Shelly's engagement ring as a necklace. Sarah leaves the cemetery, only to be abducted by Grange and taken to a local church where Top Dollar and Micah are hiding out. Through the crow, Eric sees that Sarah is in danger and goes to rescue her. The crow flies inside ahead of him, but is sniped by Grange. Eric, not realizing what wounding the crow has done for his own invulnerability, accosts Top Dollar, saying he'll let him leave if he gives Sarah to Eric. Top Dollar shoots Eric, now no longer invincible, and beats him. Sarah is taken to the upper levels of the church. Albrecht, having gone to the church to pay his respects, realizes what's happening and comes in shooting. He finds Eric on the floor and helps him toward the spiral staircase in the back. The wounded crow is picked up by Micah, who hopes to harness its mystical powers. Albrecht manages to shoot and kill Grange, but is wounded himself. He stays below as Eric ascends the stairs. Micah meets him halfway up, holding the crow at knife point, but the crow lunges up and pecks her eyes out, causing her to fall from the stairs to her death. Eric makes it to the roof, where Top Dollar is holding Sarah. He pushes her off the roof, though she manages to hold onto some scaffolding as Top Dollar and Eric fight. Distracted for a moment by Sarah's cries for help, Eric is stabbed through the back by Top Dollar, who admits to having everything to do with Eric and Shelley's deaths, claiming that nothing goes on in their town without his say-so. He tells Eric that he's enjoyed their sparring and that he'll miss him, but before he can kill him, Eric grabs him and bestows his gratitude for Top Dollar's crimes. All of the 30 hours of pain Shelley had to endure all at once. In agonizing pain, Top Dollar falls off the roof and is impaled by a gargoyle. Eric rescues Sarah and brings her to Albrecht, who is soon taken to an ambulance. Eric then disappears from sight and crawls to Shelley's grave before passing out. Her spirit comes to him, and they are finally reunited. Later, Sarah visits Eric's grave, which has closed up once again. The crow stands on his headstone, holding Shelley's ring that Sarah lost during her abduction. The crow drops it in Sarah's hand. As it flies off into the night, Sarah narrates that though buildings burn and people die, real love is forever. The film closes with the words for Brandon and Eliza, a dedication to both Brandon Lee, who was accidentally killed during filming in 1993, and Eliza Hutton, who was Brandon's fiance. The end. Oh, oh my God. Okay, lots of action, but it happens really quickly. It does. Like, yeah, this finale definitely moves, but we have like we have like the false ending, right? Where well, it seems like the false ending, even though we know it's not because we just saw the, them starting to concoct a plan. But Eric thinks the job's over, so he's like, "I'm done. Yeah, I killed all the back. people. I, I killed all the people I needed to kill." He's like, "So I guess I'm gonna go back to the grave." And um, we have some more moments between him and Sarah. Very sweet. I my notes literally say he's sweet as fuck. That's literally what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then when Sarah is abducted, I thought it was again really poetic that um I think it's like a, on the church wall or or n- maybe this isn't the church, but wherever she's abducted, the building that Grange is standing near has this writing on the top that says demolished by neglect. And I was like <gasps> so poetic like that's sarah's whole story just written in three words so i was literally oh my gosh so i love that i love this i love the little hidden messages and meanings and poetic little phrases 
literally yeah poor miss little miss sarah she got herself kidnapped and um this could be the end of her unless eric sort of goes okay wait my job here isn't finished like i i need to go go and uh save her but maybe this is why maybe it's like like almost like fate like we said earlier like okay school mm-hmm. cowboy this character that got cut said if he serves the living he's he's gonna die or he's gonna his power he's gonna lose his powers or whatever that is right yeah so maybe this is this is that situation like his job is done he came back to kill the people that were responsible for his death his death and Shelley's death they're all dead even though we don't technically know yeah I guess even though top dollar does take responsibility the people that were there in the room that day are all dead they're dead Gone. so maybe him going to uh, save Sarah inevitably leads to him losing his powers just like the prophecy that was cut said so at least yeah. they're consistent in that way even though it's not like explicitly said that's why um, I mean maybe just fate has it like look you you went off on your own to finish this mission of, or you know to extend this mission of yours you're gonna do it but you're not gonna have the power so maybe that's how Miss Ma'am Miss Micah knew like she was maybe she was given the information some insight but yeah by like the universe or whatever was like okay well yeah i mean there's just this whole other uh way of explaining things that we don't get to see in the movie but that was once a part of the script and so it almost seems like because they cut skull cowboy out they maybe changed it to be well the crow dies he dies right and that's it but yeah, exa- I think it exactly. is more poetic to still know that knowledge that when he serves the living or, or sorry, when he, yes, when he helps out people who are alive and does is not avenging his own death, then that's when he starts to get weak and is no longer yeah. invincible. He needs to just exactly. go back to, to hell. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. And then, so, you know, he goes to the, to the church to go save her. And then, um, Miss Crow gets, gets shot by by oh. Grange, right? Which I was like, oh my god! I was like, not the I bird! I know, not the bird! And <laughs> then, um, yeah, but then it's like now the stakes are high because Eric gets shot and he's like, he's sort of co- confident after he gets shot and he's like, oh fuck. And then he's like, oh wait, I'm actually mortal now. Like, yeah. I now the stakes are high. I get one shot to do this. I get one shot to save this girl and um, leave everything right to allow her to have a life that I I wasn't afforded the opportunity to, to complete. And so... And during yeah, all so this, Albrecht comes in and gets shot, and I was like, no! Oh, yeah. Everyone's oh, yeah, dying! I'm like, not him, too. All the all the good people, you know? But he's heroic. He comes in, and he he's there for the for the assist, you know? And, yes. um, and speaking of the assist, Little Miss Crow comes in for the assist too and gets Miss Micah. Oh, she said, you know what, Tippy Hedron? I'm gonna fuck you up. I'm gonna peck your motherfucking yes. eyes out. Bitch, don't ever touch me like that again. How dare you? You think you know what I'm about? Let me show you what I'm about. And then that bitch falls to her death and I'm all, bye, Ling. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's a, I thought that was a great yeah. moment for oh, yeah. her. Uh, the the eyes being pecked out because I, it almost does seem like she's psychic and it's like the crow took away her ability to, to see. see and that's probably for her is really devastating because yeah. that might have taken away her power. Yeah, her sight. Like, you know, yeah, she has some sort of like 
third eye, and now she has zero eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be yes, fucking your brother. Which brings us to her brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which brings us to her yeah, brother, she... who she fucks. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, then we have our final fight scene. Uh, Miss Sarah over here, Olympic champion, is able to hold on to the side of a of a building for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> A long ass time. Holding her own body weight and uh, does not let go. I do like Top Dollar's death as well. Again, each of these people get this very unique death scene. And his is he is impaled through the face with the horn of a gargoyle attached to his shirt. And this like, the blood is like a water fountain or like a waterfall yes. pouring out of him because the water is coming out of the gargoyle's mouth. And now that he's yeah. dead on top of it, the blood yes. is coming out of the mouth. And I thought that was really strong imagery. And I wish that they would have held for just three seconds longer on that shot. Yeah, me too. It kind of went quickly for it to sink in for us. It went so yeah. fast. I was like, Oh no, no. As soon as the blood started pouring out, I was right. like to the next, but I, I was like, oh. but I do love like that moment where, you know, Eric gets, stabbed like you were like oh shit like this is the end of eric right he's done for he he's mortal now now he's been impaled by a sword but you know he he uses what's left of his power which is this ability to i guess transfer pain or some sort of psychic ability and takes that pain that he felt from shelly and gave it to him he's like if you want to take responsibility for all the shit that happens this is this is just an a, a ounce of the pain that you have caused, you know, caused me, caused her, caused people around this city. And he's like, feel this, and it's so overwhelming for him that he falls off the off the roof, you know, to his death. And um, it's a it's a again a poetic a poetic absolutely moment. that didn't take a, it wasn't like. Like they have a, a pretty big fight scene, but it wasn't like the fight that ends him. It's the, it's more than that. It's the feeling. It's the emotions. It's a, it's transferring some like pain to somebody, um, and I thought that was really brilliant. And then this wrap up is sort of, it, it, it's edited very strangely. Like you know, he crawls mm-hmm. back to his grave, and um, Shelley shows up as this, uh, you know, ghostly white apparition. And, um, you know, they sort of have this reuniting moment and then it cuts to their graves, like, you know, back to normal. And I was like, uh, a little lackluster, but I I get it. Like I get what's happening. I think it it is. I think it's really sweet when he sees her though. Like she's like, she's like, like, okay, it's time to come back. You know, I do think it happens kind of quick. And, um, but I don't know I kind of like it. I'm like, oh my god, it's so sweet. And she's like, come back to me. Everything is is gonna be okay, and we can rest now. I would have liked to see them crawl in the grave together, oh, like holding oh, each other. Oh, that would have been so sweet. And then the dirt just piles on top. Oh. Uh, and they they end up in the same grave. Oh, that'd be so sweet together, together forever. forever. Yeah. And that's what and that's what our little ending monologue by Miss Sarah says. She's all she's all re, you know buildings burn and people die but real love is forever and i was like damn damn i know and the and then the real love between brandon and his real life fiance eliza is immortalized on film forever i I mean we didn't really touch on it on like the the what actually happened to brandon i mean it was a it was a stunt gone wrong in which 
um, the character of Fun Boy, so the actor um, uh, Michael Massey. It was during one of the flashback scenes of the initial attack on Eric and Shelley. Um, there was a gun that had been, you know, emptied out. Like, you know, it was a prop gun and they had not a prop gun. It was a real gun, but they they had rigged it to be safe. And long, long story short, a lot of neglect. People didn't check. People were going home early and left this, you know, an apprentice in charge and it's it's like a freak accident like yeah, just the way it, it happened like, all like the, sh- the prop master was sent home early that day yeah or no not the prop master the the fire the firearms like uh you know the guy who like was there specifically to oversee the use of firearms was sent home and then it was like the prop master's assistant that took over and there was like just this one bullet that was not deactivated properly just stuck in the barrel and they put dummy bullets in but when they shot it the dummy bullet didn't come out the real bullet came out that was not properly like you said it's not gunpowder in it or something or primer or something and it fatally shot him and he they did put him they took him to the hospital and he was in there for six hours and he succumbed to his to his wounds and you know he died at 28 years old and with a promising career ahead of him and so it it is a, a huge tragedy but um, I think this movie is so is such a wonderful legacy to leave behind because as like you know cool and dark and gothy and gritty as it is, there is still a message of like love behind it, and that love lasts forever. The love that we have, whatever exists beyond our our own lifetime, you know. Yeah, you know, um, James O'Barr, who wrote the comics again. Um, <clears throat> He felt like he got really close to Brandon Lee during the filming of this movie. So when he got his um, royalties for this movie, um, he bought his mom a car mm-hmm. and then he bought like a sound, a surround sound system. And then he donated the rest to charity because he didn't want to feel like he was profiting off the death of somebody who he considered a friend. And um, so that happened after. And then mm-hmm. also like once Brandon Lee died, most of the filming had been done. So they used rewrites and CGI to complete the film. And I cannot tell where, I think there's one moment where he's looking in the mirror and it cracks, yeah. which is his, you know, face is superimposed in that scene. But um, otherwise they did a really great job putting his face on a stu- on stunt doubles and things yeah. to really make this movie finished complete. Apparently they had like a mold of his face that they had made. It was like a mask. Oh wow. And that they were that, that was supposed to be used on like a couple of his stuntmen, like while he was obviously still alive. And then so they're like, Well, why don't we use that? And then I think it like unsettled a lot of the crew and they're like, Mm, let's just scrap that idea. It's too unsettling to have his face being That's worn weird. by other people. And so yeah, like they tried their best to make it work. I know like the filming kind of shut down, like the the director like went back home to Australia, but then once um, he realized, like, do you know what? No, I have to finish this film because he was like watching back like what they had filmed, and he's like, he's so good in this. Brandon is so good in this. Like, it'd be a disservice to his memory to not have this seen by the public. So he talked to the studios, and you know, they funded eight million extra dollars for them to go and finish this film, and. Um, I'm so happy that they did because I think what we have is awesome. It's a cool ass movie with a, you know, just great message and uh, 
a great legacy left behind. And recently they were going to reboot The Crow with Jason Momoa um, in the titular role but he's been dropped from the project well he dropped out from the project and the director that was assigned to it also dropped out so i don't think it's going to be made i think it's going to be put on ice for a while but the but alex proyas said that he just has he's going to try his damnedest to not get any more films made because unfortunately there were tons of sequels made with like all-star casts that sucked yeah and almost i mean almost could have potentially damaged the legacy of this movie. But, I mean, Seriously. these casts included, like, Iggy Pop, Mia Kirshner, Eric Mabius, Kirsten Dunst, who's a favorite over here yeah. after the Talking Queers. Literally, David Boreanaz, Jodie Little Keefe. Yeah, Edward Furlong, Danny Trejo. Like, there's, like, but they all never lived up to this uh, first film, so. So that, that, yeah, exactly. That was just, you know, a cash, cash uh, you know a cash ca- yeah. attempt yeah cash grab attempt but you know it never came close to the to the magic that was this film so i mean maybe it is right i mean i know we love reboots over here and we love talking about them but maybe this one is best left alone i think so i think so so what are your final thoughts on wrapping this up i mean my final thoughts on this are as i like i said before i think this is a great movie with um a really cool message lots of great action but also really really big heart and um i and i really just it's so it's so interesting because it's not at all what i expect when i look at the you know the cover of this movie the how how it looks but this movie is filled with so much heart and um i will give i'm gonna give this a four out of five yeah yeah um, I would say that sometimes the writing can get a little hokey, but for the most part, it's very poetic. Um, and there's this message and this soul to the movie that makes it very effective. I think the visuals are stellar. Um, Brandon Lee, obviously, it's such a sad story, but to have this gr- this great movie as part of his legacy that he left behind, it's a nice way for audiences to remember him as a hero with a heart and a soul and I really think that this is a nice way to look back and remember Brandon Lee so I too would give this a 4 out of 5 yes okay We love for the crow we love yes. it alright time to put this one back in the grave Oh, I'm sad about that I know <laughs> I really know I really movie. enjoyed this one it is All right, folks. Well, thank you for uh, listening to this episode on The Crow with us. We are all abuzz about our our episode next week. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Which is... Candyman. Be my victim. Yeah. Ooh, that was good. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. Is he here? (laughs) You're going to watch it tonight? Yes. I'm going as soon as we're done with this. I'm heading to the movie theater to see Candyman. Yes. I saw it last night and fell in love. This is going to be our first movie that we've done that has been solely released in theaters. Yes. And there are more to come. <laughs> yes, there are. But this is going to be, um, you know, a first for us. So bear with us. But we're going to bring you a fucking awesome episode. I promise. Yes. All right. Social media. What's your name? Well, first, I want to say um, we've been feeling the love with some Apple podcast reviews. We actually looked up and found out that we have a couple that are that we've never seen before because they are from different countries. And that we yeah. didn't realize that we could only see U.S. reviews on our phones or whatever. On Apple but, Podcasts, yeah. Yeah, but we've been, we actually saw that we have 
other one like one from Canada, one from the UK. I was like Australia. Oh yeah. So I would encourage you guys if you guys have a podcast and you're listening to this, go to chartable.com and you can find out like even how you rank, um, how many like I mean you get a lot of analytics that I don't think we can get anywhere else. So yeah, and you get a lot of like insight as to more reviews that from other countries that you never knew about. So go there. Yeah. So if we've never mentioned like a review or shared it on um on instagram or anything it's because we didn't know it existed so hey if you leave us a podcast review like let us know like send us a screen cap of it especially if like you're in canada or the uk or australia or anywhere else um because we want to we want to see them and we want to thank you like personally for it because that means a lot that helps us out and that gets more people hearing our show and our message and um yeah so we really appreciate that so and if you haven't left us one shame on you just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so you can follow us on instagram at fear the talking queers yes please do that you can um go to www.fearthetalkingqueers.com um and learn more about us play some games download some wallpapers you so then also like you're you can find out how you can be involved in our show you can find out if you want to support the show there's ways and information on how to do that yes all right well thank you for tuning in this week guys and we're gonna leave you with a sweet screams bitch bye Oh, what? I feel like Miss Bai Ling over here. Oh my god, I know.